We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Oh yay, does that mean I get all of your uh, Cortex books that you keep trying to push on us? Yes, yes, you can have my <laughs> only one Cortex book because that's all you need, guys. Alright, now listen here, let's get into it. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I won't make you do that. I will let you know that we are recording, so if you can just refrain from saying anything too terrible or financially liable. Um, those are the two things as your business partner, I would suggest. Ah, uh, too late. <laughs> oh, no. Stop saying my social security number over and over again over the airwaves. No, absolutely not. I live to see you suffer. That's okay. That's my fake one anyways. And I don't think Lissa has a social security number because she's not from the USA. Uh <laughs> I like how you just cheer now. Whenever I say that you're not from, from America, you're like, woo! Which is the correct response. I want you to know. Like, that is that is the correct answer. Oh, man. I suppose I should jump into hosting this show. I even wrote out a little thing. So I'm going to read it now. And if you don't like it, well, then I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to get all cocky and yell at you, but I can't. You, you keep the lights on, so I'm just going to be nice. What's up, nerds? And welcome to the Cave Chills Podcast for the uninitiated, because apparently our numbers have grown. So I thought I should get into the rigmarole of what this entire thing is. This is a podcast that covers the D&D and tabletop rpg news you might have missed from last week that's right we're a whole week behind because crap happens in D and ttrpgs a lot so we can't cover it 14 times a week because we all have day jobs so we cover the shit that happened last week and if you don't like that come you know help you know <laughs> go over to our patreon and you could uh, uh pay us money and maybe we'll make more of these but anyways my name is terry smith and with me as always are the two halves of the slovenly trolls we're not going to say who is better or who is worse? We have both of them here. You can decide that for yourself. First up is Sharday. Yes, I am the better one. Yes. Hello. And then the better one, Lissa. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lissa. I am the actually better one. Hello. <laughs> Incorrect. I feel ganged up upon. Um, it's because we were ganging up on you. Why is everybody attacking me this week? Listen, first you attack me on the Twitter, and now you attack me on here. Like, what? what is it? Is it Attack Shard Day Week? <laughs> I was here it's for always, the Twitter drama. It's always Attack Shard Day Week. Is it Attack Shard Day Week while she has 12 other things to do for the podcast? Yes, because you're, this is the first time you've had 12 other things to do. We do 12 other things every Correct. week. Incorrect. We, we Incorrect. have a bunch of stuff going on. You're just over there in your ivory tower with your money and gold. I don't know what rich yeah. people have. I'm assuming it's money, gold, and boats. I feel like boats is the third thing. Boats, 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 boats. And investments? Investments. Investments in boats. Yes. It's just they have bonds on the, while they're on the sales and stuff. That's how it works. I don't know how stock markets work. <laughs> You shout into a phone to a person who knows what they're doing and you say, buy this and sell that. I like how your idea of the stock market is from a 90s film. <laughs> like, like someone's still calling their broker. I mean, isn't that what people do to get stocks? I don't know. You, <laughs> you own stocks! 
You should yeah. know this. I don't own any stocks. You both own stocks. Uh, maybe that's how it works uh, when you buy EU stocks, I suppose. But here in America, I use an app to buy my stocks with money that I don't have. Yes. Yeah, that, mm. that checks out. Because <laughs> this is America. Money for ma make believe money for make believe property that you definitely own. Bingo. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, it's it's make believe money for make believe profit of make believe portions of things I don't own. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh -huh. <laughs> they don't give me a whole one. I just get a share. Like I share it with lots of other people. Um, stocks make a lot of sense. You know what else makes sense? The fact that we now have merch. If you're hearing this podcast up on Friday, you can head on over to T Republic slash Campy Kill Creations and check out all of our new t-shirts that we worked very hard. <laughs> Lots of back and forth emails about logos with Lissa in the middle of the night trying to figure out how we can get good looking shirts, but we've done it. It's done. We done did it. You can buy shirts with the Slovenly Trolls logo, with the Cave Trolls logo, uh, and maybe other designs that we come up with as this show gains popularity and we want to, you know, shit on Charday. I, I don't know if shit on Charday is a good t-shirt. Probably not. But, you know, something we mess around with ideas. We're still figuring it out. Silence is deafening. <laughs> God, be quiet. I lost all my confidence. Um... <laughs> The other thing, exactly. The other thing is, if you like this show, you can support us over on Patreon.com/slash Campy Kill Creations. For a few bucks, you get bonus content, early content, and now we are announcing we just hit one of our goals for the Campy Kill Creations book club, which we have not titled yet, but it's going to be D and D book club of some sort, right? We don't have a full title unless we do, and I forgot. You two can help me out here. Books, 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 books. All right. Books, we don't books, have a title books. for it yet, but we did hit our goal. We're going to be doing a D and D book club where every month we read some sort of book related to the D and D, you know, uh, mythos. It doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, a story necessarily. The first book we're going to do either in October or November, somewhere around there is insert title here. Uh, <laughs> can someone help me out with the name of the book? I mean, no. I don't know where uh, it is. I forgot. Please, please hold. The Untold um, History of Dungeons and Dragons? Untold History of TSR? Uh, that, sounds, that sounds about Yeah, that sounds about right. I remember the... Well, I'm so good at this whole hosting thing. I just want everyone to know. The Untold Story of Dungeons and Dragons. No. Slaying the Dragon. Slaying a the dragon. Secret History of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> by ben riggs that is what yes. we are going to be reading for the first time uh you two i will the reason why we have an undisclosed date for when we're going to record that is a we want to get questions in over on our patreon so people there can get you know all of their their you know questions in for us and read along with us but also because lissa is international i don't know when the book will arrive <laughs> <laughs> so so that's it i don't i don't know when the book will get there so i can't promise a date yet but just know if you're a patron we are working on that you're welcome or thank you i guess we'll see um how it goes and then our final piece of housekeeping is charday pulled a bunch of strings on the back end with people over at game t and we now have a creator code for the slovenly trolls charday you can take it away from here 
Uh, yeah, we have an affiliate code with Game Tea, which is a artist-run uh, gaming shop. Basically, they sell T-shirts and dice and all sorts of goodies, not just for D and D, but a bunch of other nerd stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And if you use our code, Slovenly Trolls, all one word, uh, you can get five percent off your order. And that's super exciting. But you also should know that we are going to be making a teensy tiny little commission off of it. Just yes. so you know. But you but you save money and then you help support the podcast. So really it's a win win, I say. It is a win win. And if we want it to be a win win win, we can talk to Michael Scott and he can help us figure that out. I don't have that page in my, my uh um <laughs> altercations book yet, but I'll get there. I'll get there. So until then, let's jump into the actual news that people give a crap about. First up is our games and supplements corner because no one has given me a better name yet, damn it. I asked and I have not received. Somebody help me out with a better name. But until then, the games and supplements corner. First up is Into the Odd. Um, Into the Odd is a beautifully self-cannibalizing RPG built on bodies. This comes from Linda Codega over at io9, one of my favorite websites. And Into the Odd is now what they're calling an old-school role-playing tabletop game. So OSR has been catching on. I've seen it in like 15 different taglines this week. I don't know if I like it because old-school also comes with some really bad connotations when you think of a lot of the crappy stuff we've been dealing with, with like TSR. R3 and a few other places but in this case it's good stuff it's just the old style of like dungeon delving this is an RPG specifically about going into the dungeon and getting rich stuff and getting out of the dungeon it reminds me a lot of um, Into the Dark which is a roguelite RPG for PC and a few other consoles if you two have heard of that the idea is that it's super simple there's only three stats four if you include hit points um it's a d4 mechanic so whatever your stat is you roll that many d4 and the way that it makes it super simple on top of those simple mechanics of that's how you do things on top of that is you roll for character creation and into the odd specifically the odd being the items that you can be generated with when you first join up you roll on a bunch of tables and it just gives you random kits essentially and all of the kits um are for lack of a better term odd uh so like you can get something boring like you get a staff a set of tongs and some glue all the way to as uh this article put it delightfully absurd harpoon gun baton acid and you are slightly magnetic they don't get into what mechanically makes you um slightly magnetic or what the harpoon gun can do or why you have it that's just the weapon you have as you dive into the dungeon um and then the setting is really cool you're underneath this city called bastion and there's some sort of coup happening above you and the npcs that you try to sell things to might be working against the government might be working for you don't know but it's only 60 pages it's pretty straightforward i'm really excited about playing it that's the reason why it got put on here lissa also tossed me the article so thank you for that um what do you two think of into the odd sounds very digaxian the the cover art is amazing like (laughs) i just like as an art appreciator this is art yeah it's gorgeous it um it reminds me of a lot of comic books that i'm into um uh it's done by johan nor 
and you can check out their portfolio online. Now, you know, I might just put it on a link because you can get some really awesome stuff from them. Um, this is uh, done uh, similar artwork to Merc Borg, which you've heard me, you know, praise on this week too. Uh, Johan Noor also did the artwork over there for that. So it's not a surprise that it ended up on the show and that it's really, really good. Looks amazing. Anyways, uh, you two going to check out um, Into the Odd? Maybe. I think I will. <laughs> Sorry, I had to drink some coffee, so I needed to throw it to you. Uh, <laughs> what do you feel about the OSR tagline that's been thrown around a lot? I don't like it because of the reason that you said. <laughs> I, under, I understand why people are using it because, I mean, it's not like there's yeah i understand why people are using it but it comes with so much baggage and there's been so much negative right press and just negative vibes around um old school gaming and it's been you know under critique for a while now so i i think they need to find a better phrase for like people who appreciate the old style of gaming like the gygaxian style of gaming without having that kind of baggage with Gygax's name <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's hard it's like when we say Gygaxian yeah, like hard, do you mean you know biological determinalism or do you mean <laughs> yeah, well, no yeah, no exactly. it's about the dice and diving into the dungeon and killing dragons <laughs> about all the tables that you use to roll things like, it's, it's very like I get it like it's he created a very particular style of role-playing games that a lot of people really really like and like, I can appreciate him for that but also, he's kind of a controversial figure, so maybe we should use the word. I think the word you're looking for is poophead. Uh, piece the technical of term. Technical trash. term is is, is poophead. Yes, uh, piece of trash yeah. that also adequately describes people who believe so, in what he believed. Um, I just think they need another name, like OSR and old school. Yeah, I feel like it's just going to be co-opted by people that have uh, a bad idea of who specifically should be allowed to be uh, playing games and who they're for, in quotations. Um, so I just I worry about that in a cool game like Into the Odd. Um, but moving on, next up is Fake Chess inserts its own anal bead scandal with expansion to Surreal Chess RPG. This comes from Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker. Do you know about the RPG Fake Chess? But the chess scandal with anal beads. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's the expansion for the RPG Fake Chess. That's great. Uh, the, no, I, I, I don't think I know much about the the actual game fake chess. <laughs> so fake chess comes at such an awesome time there's this huge scandal about maybe this uh big chess player possibly cheating in one of these grandmaster tournaments you have uh things like the queen's gambit over on netflix so like chess is kind of at a weird all-time popularity and to capitalize on that there's this awesome game called fake chess and fake chess if you don't know is kind of like a one-on-one -on -one RPG, but it's less about playing chess. You do use a chess board, um, but it's more about like the stories between the two grandmasters at the chess board. So you're setting up Ooh. like the story behind your special move rather than needing to know three steps ahead and going into your opening gambit. So you build these storylines between the players. And then the new expansion, the anal beads, the vibrating anal beads expansion essentially adds like a different weight to it behind your different moves 
moves and stuff. So, um, instead of having the normal right now in the game, which is like, oh, I learned this move from my master who I, like, uh, um, bested, and then they inevitably killed themselves because the student had become the master. That's a storyline from a game I had played. Um, instead, now you're making your move, and when you announce it, you say it like you have inserted anal beads to add this, like, anime-esque, like, uh, breathiness to your voice and possible, like, sexuality into your moves to build possible. tension. Yeah, possible, because sometimes people just make breathy statements. They just have a, a sexy connotation to their voice, but, uh... Well, yeah, sure, but when you have the context of, yeah, you act like you have anal beads in you, like, what other context connotation is that? Well, like, like this article actually says, much like in real life, you don't know who has anal beads inserted. God, don't! You don't know! You don't know! You're making an assumption that we don't have them, you know? I'm going to hold this against you. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Her wrong. brother was wrong. a witch. <laughs> Her brother was a witch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um you look at me and tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely not wrong, and I'm going to repeat that to you as I tell you that my D and D character has had anal beads inside. The entire game. The entire campaign. The entire game. Unless you the when you were a ghost. Uh hello. Well yeah, because ghost anal beads oh <laughs> shit double twist but yeah so this is the new expansion um it already had another expansion called book of champions which um tied into like stuff like the queen's gambit and searching for bobby fisher and like references to those shows so it's it's a very self-aware game but very fun in the vein of games like reflections like these one-on-one -on -one rpgs i highly recommend it if you like telling stories at your table rather than just the mechanical aspects like uh like um like the war games of it all um it's also like i said if you only have two people it's a really fun one-on-one -on -one game and if you're uncomfortable with the anal beads expansion there's the book of champions expansion and the base game is very fun too um so i will link that but i do recommend the game i haven't tried the anal beads expansion and as you know if you've heard me talk about anything on the show i'm a big prude probably won't play that one but it sounds fun I might play that one specifically. <laughs> Listen, if you want to play it with me, I will play it for you. I would have fun playing it with you because you know that I can get uncomfortable but still do things. So that's okay. Yeah. I mean, push those boundaries as you do every yeah. week at my table in a good way. <laughs> you never cross my lines or veils. I want people to know that you're not a toxic gamer. I'm not, no. But I get real close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my thing my only my only rule is as long as we cut away you can do whatever you want to do as long as i yeah. don't have to role play <laughs> oh yeah no a hundred percent and i'm also the same way it's just fun to talk about like literally john and i were talking about this the other day like i'm pretty sure we know why terry's not giving us downtime right now <laughs> <laughs> Because he does not want to know what's going to happen. And we're like, absolutely, yeah, that's exactly why. There was no time for hanky-panky. A war was happening. You had been teleported to a battlefield that had nothing to do with the fact that I didn't want to hear what you two would roleplay out. There was just other <laughs> things that needed to be done. 
it would fade to black, you prove. There's just no time. There's just no time. The time was not there. Okay, sure, there's not. There's always time. Next up on the docket, Dimension 20 DM and player launches RPG for creating session zeros. This comes from Alex Mian over at Dicebreaker, a player and DM for the actual play show Dimension 20 and game designer for Roll20, the online platform supporting tabletop role-playing games. Gabe Hicks has launched their first tabletop RPG designed to provide game masters and players with the title that will ease them into playing a new TRPG or campaign. The Session Zero system enables the creation of backstories for characters in any setting of the group's choosing. Um, if you don't know what a Session Zero is, typically it's when the RPG uh, group gets together and they make their characters, they decide the tone for the game, they set their lines and veils, what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. Everyone gets to know each other before the game actually starts. They're awesome to my groups they're integral like that makes sure everyone's playing the same game when day one happens so i'm super excited for this game however it is not out on kickstarter yet i was very disappointed um listen did you send me this article uh yeah i mean i found the original tweet by uh james uh which does talk about the game where Mm -hmm. he introduces it so I was very excited about that. I think I don't remember if I sent you the Dicebreaker article, but okay, I, I do have have their original tweets up there. I just I, I I was curious if you two are excited about this because as soon as I got it sent to me, I was like, oh yes, I have to have this game. And then oh no, it's not even launched on Kickstarter yet. That happens later on in October. Um, but I'm still super excited because Session Zeros are not only cool, but they can be um super important to what you're trying to do at your table and for me like i play with a really awesome group of people that already know my lines and veils we already kind of know each other's um they're not often updated but we do leave room for that but a lot of what we use session zeros for is like hey what's the tone of this game is everybody okay with these characters um do we have any fun ideas to tie characters together etc um so having that kind of gamified is going to be really awesome shari you sound like you had something to say Sorry, Alyssa, I didn't mean oh, to no. cut you off. No, I, I, I was just going to agree with you, really. And I'm looking at the Dicebreaker article, and I see that they have, like, really awesome-looking, like, tarot cards, mm-hmm. I think, for backstories. And that really tickles my pickle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no tickling fecal- pickles, no anal beads. This is a family-friendly show, said no Not one. Alyssa, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was just going to say that anything that improves session zero and makes it... Because, you know, like, sometimes when you go to do a session zero and if you play in a lot of different games, like, it's the same thing over and over again, sort of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That I think anything that improves and makes the session zero sort of gives you prompts, makes it exciting, gives you something new to play with, I think that is a good thing. And especially, like, a system that will prompt you to do something differently in this game i think that is and to make it like a different kind of storytelling environment i think that is something always that you should give money to throw money at it 100 percent. and like uh gabe says on the twitter thread that you had sent me this is not designed to say you have to use this to run a good session zero it exists so you have extra tools to help you run a fun one exactly and i i love that idea like char said anything to kind of uh um ramp it up a little bit like say like hey this is going to be not just assassin zero but we have these tarot cards there's a game involved like you mentioned lissa like this is just something to make it so it's not the same every time because 
like like I mentioned with my group, I we we do the same session zero each time. Every once in a while, we have a new player join, and we ha- get to have fun with them. You know, finding that dynamic. But the rest of us, it's all kind of samey. So having this gamified, and for the players that go, oh, I really don't care what I play. I kind of want you know input or i want it to be random you can use these tarot cards to figure out the adventure to figure out what role you play in the group um we use tarot cards for a million different things at my table and adding them and obviously tarot is a strong word but having this deck of cards that helps keep the fun going is going to be really exciting um i don't know what the cost is going to be being this is going to be a physical property like i don't know if it's going to be necessarily the cheapest thing that you can purchase but i think it'll be worth it yeah it looks like it will but i will link to the unlaunched kickstarter as well as the twitter thread so you can find out for yourself next up we're going to return to a game that we've covered before on here valor the heroic role-playing system um it's getting a reprint and they're doing something interesting they're reprinting through kickstarter so instead of just uh you know printing the reprints selling them wherever or even sending the errata pages to the people who had already purchased it they're relaunching the book hardcover on kickstarter along with the next expansion of like essentially the bestiary the next villains and powers expansion um they're gonna throw it on there which they say makes it worth it on its own but also you get this new reprinted book um if you don't know the valor system is kind of like an anime inspired one where you you know you yell out you move before you attack they have cool different um uh anime inspired classes and roles you know you have the isekai witch or the the child monster collector etc and so forth um we had mentioned it on here i've had a chance to play it it's cool it's fun i like it it's very imbalanced so if you're a big numbers person if you're the rules is written guy at your table and you want a rules layer you're gonna have a hard time because sometimes people can just be goku in this game and that breaks things somewhat um but i i wanted to hear your thoughts on the idea of making people pay for the reprinted version who have already purchased it yes so with the reprinted version i can speak right from the source here our kickstarter is now live for the valor core hardcover reprint we hope you will support us again all books will include the full errata text updates and all pdf tiers will receive a pre-release villains creatures and foes skills and abilities pdf which is essentially their expansion um they say that uh we are definitely considering releasing the vcf pdf but they say that that makes this whole thing worth it because they would sell it for a similar price um and you get the reprinted um hardcover uh to back the project over on kickstarter the tiers start with uh, start at twenty dollars I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but yeah, I, I don't know why they wouldn't also just um, offer people who had bought it like a PDF version with all the updates or something. Because I understand printing books is really expensive, like hella expensive. So it's not super surprising. But the fact that 
I, I also don't know why they're reprinting stuff, so I think I would need more context to give it more. There's a lot of errata. I, I mean, I can't get into all of it necessarily, but there's a lot of changes in text updates that they've done. Uh, balancing, re-edits, updates to different things. So, you know, like most games have, um, but it's a significant amount. This would be, I would call it a second edition, um, rather. Yeah. And, you know, go ahead, Lissa. It just kind of sounds like, well, the different editions in D&D, where it's like you have AD&D and then you come out with 2E mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and sort of, it, it sounds kind of money grabby, but I mean, I do understand that they if they want to do a reprint set of physical hardcover books, it costs money. So, you know, right. it would be ideal to get, you know, more money. Therefore, if people can throw more money at it, you know, they, they can do more prints, but also... Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they are providing for the people who have already bought the book. Like, if... Yeah, I don't know, like, maybe just give them updates on what is updated. Yeah, I think it's a marketing like, you, issue. You kind of, you kind of want to support the people who supported you in the first place in some way, shape, or form. And I don't... I don't, I'm not getting that they are necessarily supporting them. They might be, and we just don't know about it, but... I can it... give you some more details if you'd like. So, yeah. um, the rules are at a, already available um, if you back the project originally. So, the things that they've changed, you can still get your hands on. But this is them putting out a new ver like tying that all back in. It's kind of like when they release a book with all the things that D&D has released through Unearth Arcana when they, they bundle it up and they put out like a Tasha's um, book kind of thing. Right. That's kind of what they've done here is put all of the errata stuff that they've come up with over the last year or two and putting it into a full edition of the book. And yeah. they've tossed on this expansion, the villains, creatures, and foes, skills, and abilities pre-release PDF. Then I um, think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's not, it's a marketing issue. This doesn't mm -hmm. sound like a reprint. This sounds like a new edition. This it's, sounds exactly. Like and yeah. like I'm reading the very end of the Kickstarter, and it says that Valor was originally printed in 2015. So this is a, not an old game by any means, mm -hmm. but it is like it, it has a decent chunk of years behind it. So it would be due for a new edition. So even in the timeline, that would make sense. So I think it, it has to be a marketing issue, and I don't know why they've chosen to call this thing a reprint because if you call it a new edition, I feel like more people are going to probably buy it because mm -hmm. they want the new improved kind of stuff so calling it a reprint is only a detriment to them and getting their kickstarter funded right and i think they should have pushed the expansion first and be and then say yeah. along with that you also get the reprint or the updated version or the second edition of the valor core rule book um and then i don't think we would even be having this conversation we just mentioned that yeah. it came with this reprinted pdf um the problem i have is partly the nomenclature right what we call an, another edition if this was a normal book say this was a novel and there was a new chapter thrown in or a new forward it would be a new edition and when rule books started coming out um, and you would update the game, those took the name edition, but really it was a new book with new rules. Now, like like Lissa said, you had something like Advanced D&D to 2E, that was kind of the same game with new new things thrown in, but we've now made this idea that a new edition is a radical sweeping change, right? Fourth edition to yeah. fifth edition, fifth edition to one D&D. 
And because of that, maybe they just felt uncomfortable calling it a second edition, right? Because it's still the same game with some errata thrown in. Um, mm. Even though technically they'd be correct, but they don't want it to spark this new conversation and go, oh, well, second edition was basically the same as the first. <laughs> well, just, just call it, like, special edition or something. Right. Like, there are, there are terms for if you make a bunch of changes to a book. Like, I think of... I hate to say it, but I think of um, the Twilight gender bend a lot mm -hmm, more so mm -hmm. than I usually do. Like that wasn't a new book. She just changed pronouns and she changed a couple of different things that happened in the book to prove that when you gender swap it, it's the same story, but she's not because she changed major plot points. So like, <laughs> it was not the same thing, but they weren't going around saying that this was, this was Twilight. This is like, no, this is Twilight reimagined. So it still had that tack on it saying, no, this isn't the original. This is something different. It's, you know, or when they release books that have like special things in the middle with a bunch of cool pictures, like it's a special edition. It has extra content. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think we all agree that it's just kind of a marketing issue, but I just, I wanted to, I wanted somebody else to, to talk about it. Cause I thought that one was weird. Lisa, thank you for tossing yeah. that one on the docket um next up is the next game i'm super excited for coming from laughing kaiju the zone um the zone is a tabletop story game of surreal horror mutate your friends play to lose and have a spooky time in the dark one to six players two to three hours you can play it right out of the box it's got the prompts from the cards it's more of a storytelling game in my opinion than the numbers crunching of rpgs so it's the role versus the role-playing type thing um i still really dig it i love those types of games i mean you've obviously already heard me talking about things like reflections earlier in this podcast um but i'm excited for the twilight zone of it all the cthulhu-esque uh lovecraft type uh gaming there how do you feel about games that are tagged as rpg but don't have the dice rolling don't have the stat mechanics that's more about telling stories i think they're a branch of our ttrpgs because they are a tabletop game mm -hmm. and if role playing is at the center of it i think it still falls under that branch mm -hmm. for sure but because the majority of tabletop role-playing games do use stuff like dice, I'm wondering if maybe in the next couple of years we're going to be seeing, like, a subgenre term, like, come out. Right. Just to, like, further differentiate them because, you know, just to, basically just to set expectations of whoever's playing the game, not necessarily because they're not tabletop role-playing games, but because, hey, these, this is a role-playing game. You play it around a table with people. But you don't roll dice, so there might need to be like another term that differentiates it. Right, like if you don't have a stat block, is it the like I, I know players that would be down if I said we're playing an RPG tonight and I set down the zone, they'd be excited. But I also know players that if I said, Hey, we're playing an RPG tonight, and then there's no stats that go, excuse me? Like <laughs> what now? <laughs> That's not what I signed up for. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm excited for it. So uh, the zone says there's five reasons to play. Make your own horrors. Zero prep, which is really cool for me because having to teach a new player at the table can be fun, can be extremely time consuming. Um, they say it's different each time. I don't like when people tag that stuff. That's most RPGs. Uh, stats don't matter here, which is the big one. Predefined fates free up pure, howlable creativity. Uh, it's 
freeing to not have to try to win i disagree some people now some people don't need to win i know many players who sit on the table and go how do i beat this dm so maybe the zone is not for them and it's a spooky time in the dark this is a horror themed game like telling stories or reading tarot around the campfire um i agree with all that stuff i'm very excited i am not one of those players i just wanted to, to note that i do have players like that at my table sometimes and i want you to know they will be disappointed if they cannot best you so keep that in mind and you lose every but, time but it's only because i, I don't read so i can't tell the stats that you've made up on your sheet like good luck i don't care i just say the dc is higher than what you rolled bingo bingo i win um <laughs> next up is black god's kiss um this comes from jace carter over at Dicebreaker. black god's kiss adapts the work of sword and sorcery fiction pioneer for DD 5e and ose so um i'm gonna read the article a little bit verbatim so i can get your thoughts on here because we're gonna get into the whole osr stuff again um the original dungeons master's guide for dungeons and dragons first published in the late 1970s contained a list of authors and artists that had inspired gary gygax dave arneson and the rest of the tsr team missing from amongst the likes of robert e howard hp lovecraft and Fritz Lieber was a woman who, according to poet and author Jonica Stuckey, had pioneered the sword and sorcery genre before Gygax had ever been born. That's why C.L. Moore's work is the central inspiration of Stuckey's newest project, The Black God's Kiss. It's currently crowdfunding. The box set includes the D&D 5e version and the old school essentials version, along with a micro game that one or two players can enjoy on their own. Black God's Kiss translates Moore's short story of the same name to something that works both as a setting and an OSR style adventure for players to explore. Would-be heroes will plumb the depths of an eldritch pocket dimension rife with deadly threats inspired by the cosmic horror genre and Moore's own writing, which strayed deeper into atmospheric and sensory descriptions than most of her peers' work at the time. So essentially, we have a couple of things I want to talk about. This forgotten author who may have or may not have inspired some awesome stuff in not just this genre, but others coming from it that, you know, obviously get overlooked because she's a woman. Um, the OSR implications of this game, and then on top of all of that, uh, just the interest in the game. So, uh, Lissa, we'll start with you, because I always throw to Char. Um, and that's just not fair, because we've, as we've said, you're the better of this Lavenly Trolls. So... Excuse me! Listen, listen. Thank you. Thank she you. has the feeling Thank stick you. right now, Char. Mm -hmm. Oh, shut <laughs> up. Turd. <laughs> so Sorry, listen what are your, your thoughts it's not your turn for black god's kiss i think that's feminist as fuck i am super excited i okay so even if it is an osr and even if i do not like the name i would want to play it just to try it out because i yeah it sounds iffy yeah it might not be my thing but I do not know until I try it, and if it's based on her original short story by the same name, I think that is awesome and amazing, and I do want to play that. And it looks also really, like, ridiculously good. Like, look look at that art on 
the uh, dice breaker. The art is awesome as well as with the miniatures that came with it. Um, uh, yeah. It, it makes me like so doubt like getting a twenty nine dollar version. That's what the digital cost for on Kickstarter is twenty nine dollars or more. But for sixty dollars or more, you get the core set, physical copy. Um, and then 89 or more is when you start getting the game map and, um, uh, it looks like the miniatures. Oh no, you get that for the $60 or more too. What does the $90 get you? Oh, it gets you the, the resin mini is what the $90 mm-hmm. version gets you. Okay. Um, but still really cool. I love the idea of going back to the past when it comes to finding out stuff that maybe isn't just inspired by Conan, you know, like let's look at some other things that were happening at the time because it wasn't as much as I like the Conan, uh, books, not the only thing that was happening. Right. Um, so that's really exciting. I like that this has both versions, the fifth edition and the OSE version. Um, and I like the idea that as much as sometimes we're like, Hey, we want different games. I like the idea. They're like, Hey, this this should have inspired D&D if it didn't already. Um, so playing it in a 5th edition version I think is really cool. Um, I don't, I'm don't. i not familiar with the work. Have either one of you read the story? No. I will get us copies of Black God's Kiss so we can read it. And I think maybe we should play that. Um, because it seems like running the adventure that they have out of the box is only a one night game so it wouldn't take us very long i don't want to you know rope us into anything and say put it down in the books but i'm excited to check this out so i'm gonna i'm gonna reach out and find out what we can do but i will at least get us the story char what do you think rules, of what's, what did you say Lisa? complexity it says that the rules complexity is low so it's not gonna even take that long to figure it out and play through i think no definitely not and especially if we play the fifth edition version i think it would go Mm -hmm. even uh Mm -hmm. even faster char what do you think of black god's kiss i guess we'll ask you i guess i'll answer that (laughs) i agree with what lissa said it's feminist as fuck and i'm not super surprised that there is a woman who was behind sword and sword (laughs) exactly because, I mean, we talked about this in one of our Slavonly Trolls episodes when we were talking about Spelljammer and, like, the origins of sci-fi and how people always seem to forget that science fiction as a genre was invented by a woman. I don't know if you know that. Um, Mary Shelley invented science fiction. I don't know if you can say that, you know, Frankenstein was that good of a book. It's not even really around today, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, who, that's true. Like, who knows know. about Frankenstein? Who's even heard of Frankenstein? <laughs> who's heard about Frankenstein's monster? Who's, who even knows that stuff? So it's not super surprising. It's not super surprising that a woman who wrote anything wasn't found in the back of the monster manual or the uh, dungeon master's guide of like here's what inspired D. do you see a woman's name on there no do you see any women who were thought of when people were playing D for the first time no so it's nice to see that they're like hey let's let's fix that let's kind of have it inspired by the rules these people made themselves Again, not a big fan of the term OSR, but I understand from a game mechanics perspective wanting sure. to go back to basics and all that stuff. Um, and let's do it, quote unquote, better this time. So I appreciate the crap out of that. So I'm very excited to see where this goes. And I don't have to convince you to to play a different RPG. We could just play it in 5th edition. So you don't can... need to convince me to play a different RPG. I've been arguing with you all week. Let's try this. You're like, ah, it's not for me. 
no, 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 no. We argue about settings because you want to do something that's like comic book or anime. And I'm like, I don't know anything about either. You don't have to know anything about it. Stop being such a hipster. Just try it out. If you don't like it, I won't bother you about it ever again. We will play sword and sorcery fantasy in the Gygaxian way that you love so much. I will murder you. (laughs) Sleep. I, <laughs> I got the chuckle out of Lisa. It's honestly worth it. Whatever, whatever car you run me over with. All of them. All of them. <laughs> you mean you, you, you mean none car. of you mean none of them. You don't have your own car. She doesn't do have, have to be hers. <laughs> and I could steal his car or his wife's car. Um. Anyways, moving on. I'll stop shitting on Char. Uh, TM. Uh, Cyberpunk Red's easy mode lets beginners jump into the RPG's dark future for free. This comes from Matt Jarvis over at Dicebreaker. Um, they are releasing a new quick start guide and game for Cyberpunk Red that ties more into, um, Cyberpunk 2077, the video game, and the anime show Edge Runners. Um, so... I know you two aren't big fans of cyberpunk. We've talked about it on the show before. I've run several games, including running the original quick start guide um, for cyberpunk red. I'm excited that they're updating it. One of my big critiques when they started releasing some of their newer content was that we don't have a big enough tie between cyberpunk red and cyberpunk 2027 or uh 2077 (laughs) um i know the name of this game and like bridging the gap between the two because there is a large gap in the setting so if you wanted to run your cyberpunk red game and then jump into the story of the video game there was a gap there so seeing them kind of combine those two and toss in edge runners which is an awesome anime from studio trigger you should go check that out over on netflix it's awesome um i'm really excited for this however i still have complaints about the cyberpunk red system as a whole um mainly the vehicle combat rules um need some finessing but i'm excited to see that they're going to try to try this again because it kind of had a rough start at first um is this going to get you two to play cyberpunk no probably not (laughs) i'm glad they're doing it for the people who love it yeah because like cyberpunk red had a big push it was like it was going to come out a little bit before the game people really excited about the game before the game had all of its big controversy essentially being released too early in an unfinished way um and i think that that really like put a stopper on anyone jumping into the rpg at the time when it really it was set up to succeed uh this new version at least so seeing them try again when cyberpunk is no longer a dirty word in the names of, in the mouths of many gamers and in the anime community now with them really digging edge runners i think this is the perfect time for them to try again um and cyberpunk it's not really anymore but it used to be the other pillar for for tabletop rpgs um people would list it next to things like dungeons and dragons and it's really not talked about in that way anymore um i would say it's like dungeons and dragons and cthulhu if you really had to jump to another game but really it's dungeons and dragons and then pathfinder with a lowercase um uh (laughs) p so it's cool to see cyberpunk trying to come back i don't know if it'll work i think maybe the the um ship has sailed but i'm excited to see it try again um next up is the new DD 5e book and it lets you go on a lord of the rings style journey with expanded travel and exploration exploration rules this comes from matt jarvis i don't want to hear from Charday because she doesn't like lord of the rings and you know i understand the reasons why i don't love it that much either but i know lissa does how do you feel about tossing in lord of the rings style overland travel into your fifth edition campaign 
Uh, that sounds really cool. That I, yes. Traveling, <laughs> traveling is so, it depends on who's DMing, but traveling is so, like, hit or miss. So it could be that you, like, play out things as you're traveling. Or then it's just, like, fast forward, you know, two weeks unless you have anything you want to do and travel. So I feel like anything that's adding on to traveling is a good thing. Yeah, I, I definitely think that... So this is uh, called Uncharted Journeys, and it brings expanded rules for travel and exploration to D&D 5e, encouraging DMs and players to actually play out their party's travel between places rather than simply jumping to the next town or dungeon crawl, which is my go-to if people don't have something interesting they want to do or if I don't specifically have something fun in mind for the in-between travel. Every once in a while, I'll do random encounters, but... Uh, I play such a narrative and thematic game. Sometimes random encounters can really just bog down what we're trying to do. But in a more open game or a more high fantasy, high stakes game, a la Lord of the Rings, you know, you have your MacGuffin and you're trying to get yeah. to the place. I think yeah. having expanded rules can be really cool. This adds things like the roles to your group. So uh, leader, outrider, quartermaster, and sentry. And they all have different skill checks they need to do and different things that they need to accomplish in your travels to make sure things go well and it includes mm. more encounters and it includes games really is similar to a lot of the other supplements we feature on here for fifth edition this is a great tool if you're like hey my overland travel fucking sucks um what do i do i would recommend you get uncharted journeys yeah unless, unless you hate lord of the rings like me <laughs> <laughs> but Shar, so jokes aside, Lord of the Rings stuff aside as well, um, how do you feel about tossing in something like this into your GM like toolbox of, hey, we're gonna travel really far. I'm gonna bust out my Uncharted journey. Oh yeah, book. no, a hundred percent. Like DMing traveling, like I always go back and forth on whether I'm like, oh, should I just give the players like a way to teleport, or should I just fast forward, or should we do like a couple of sessions of travel and running into random things on the way. And it's always, I never know which way is the right way to go because I don't know. It's, I, I always struggle with travel. So having I mean, something as in a back in like your back pocket seems like a good way to go for me personally. I mean, hot tip. There is no right answer. Word. <laughs> Well, no, there is, because if your players aren't having fun... The, yes, yeah, whatever's most fun for the players, I guess, I will agree there. That is the right answer, yeah, but, but... there is the wrong answer. But you, but you don't know it until you try, so Word. I feel like the overthinking it before you've done anything and determining... Have you met me? Answer. Yeah, I, Have I, you know, met me? I know, but I'm trying to say, like... Don't make those I, same mistakes. Yeah, like, you don't know what they necessarily like before you've done it? Yeah, and like, listen, I, I I know we're joking here, Char, but I do, like, you've played at my table. How many times do I toss out a new idea and go, oh, you guys are going to dig this, and, you and the group is like, mm-mm, we're not doing that. <laughs> you, I mean, like, that's happened in a couple of groups that I've done, because usually, and I found that this happens, is when you have, like, an overarching goal for players, like, oh, they're going to go do this thing. If you try to, like, toss in any side quests, and your players are super gung-ho about doing this one thing they are go not going to do that thing they will toss that thing like right aside if they are like 
super gung-ho about something right that is one thing i've learned yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah. so i think we're all in kind of consensus <laughs> while there's no right answer there's definitely a wrong answer but you won't know until you try it now i wouldn't try this like to char's point i wouldn't try this with my group currently in our current campaign form it just does not go along i do the teleportation because they find travel somewhat boring partly because of the characters that they've chosen no one in the group would fit the outrider the century you know the quartermaster <laughs> the leader that they just don't fit into those archetypes nor would they follow with those roles now i think i'm now considering because i will just tell you i am going to purchase this book um i love the toolbox <laughs> stuff uh, as you know like yeah. is anyone surprised no i don't think so um but i would use this as a way to try out the system but i would put it up as a parody for my group because someone would assign them these roles and we'd watch it go horribly awry but we could test those that's how i test things is i assume my players will ruin it and then i'll use what i've learned with those awful players in a different game yeah yeah that tracks yeah <laughs> next up is the legend of zelda inspired rpg um heroes of cerulea um this comes from alex Mian over at Dicebreaker. an upcoming tabletop role-playing game inspired by the likes of the legend of zelda series fully embraces retro video game tropes so i've had a chance to actually look at this a little bit uh this has things like breaking jars and vases to randomly accrue money like you do in legend of zelda um your keys can only be used once to go through doors and dungeons and then they disappear uh it has a lot of really cool um ideas inspired from things like legend uh link to the past legend of zelda stuff like that and the entire art book is done in pixel art uh, so all of the different uh, character, NPCs, monsters, everything is done in an old school Legend of Zelda type art style. I'm going to pick this up for a friend of mine who loves Legend of Zelda. Do you two care at all about Legend of Zelda and or Heroes of Cerulea? <laughs> I have never beaten a Legend of Zelda game. I think the most I've ever played was like maybe a handful of hours and it was Breath of the Wild and I didn't finish it. Okay, okay. So, so you're, you're probably not versed in the stuff like the Triforce, which is what they kind of use yeah. as their thematic through line for this game. So the Triforce I is know, like, like might, wisdom, intelligence. Yeah, I know like of it. So I, I know like certain aspects of the game and I know the vibes of the game, but I don't know specifics. Okay. Which is weird because Legend of Zelda seems like it would be right up my alley, but I just have not. You're just not a like, big Nintendo gamer these days, I think, is part of it, too. I don't think it's necessarily you're like, oh, I'm not playing that game. You just, like, you play on your Xbox or your PC. Like, you don't. Yeah, I I, I had a GameCube for, like, most of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And, like, I, I should have picked it up, but I just, it just never, the, the stars never aligned for me with Legend of Zelda. And maybe one day I'll get super duper into it. But I appreciate it, and I love this art style a lot because it's so unique to tabletop games and their art styles. So I really appreciate it on that level. Yeah, I like that. Like, so there's a lot of games nowadays that go for the vibes of different like video game genres for sure. Mm -hmm. But in the what we you know the old OSR type thing, not a lot of them are going. Hey, do you want this to feel like an NES game? Well, here you go. Um, I really, really dig that idea. And I know a lot of players who would go, I like Legend of Zelda, but I can't play that with my friends. Like, I can't go play Link to the Past mm -hmm. with my buddy. But you could play Heroes of Cerulea. And um, 
playing along with that, like uh, me and my friends all played Tunic earlier in this year to get the vibes of us playing and talking about Link to the Past on the playground like we did way back in the day. So um, going through that map and finding the little secrets in it really brought back us trying to talk about and beat Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time. So that's exactly the group of people that I'm going to go, hey guys, let's check out Heroes of Cerulea. Um, that being said, it is niche as fuck. Like, if you don't like any of the words I said, I don't think you're going to like this game. <laughs> Which sucks a little bit when it's like, oh, mass market appeal, you don't really need it. However, sometimes you need it to succeed financially. So I do worry about it there, but I think it could carve out a niche. Lissa, what do you think? Never played any game with Link in it, and I have oh, never shit. played any game with Zelda in it. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I am very much confused. I mean, as as a game, like most games, I am willing to try it. Like I'm open minded and don't knock until you try it. But this wouldn't necessarily be the first game that I'd go for because I have no idea about any of this. <laughs> well it's it's 27 bucks um you can get the the digital and oh no you get the physical copy of the book for 27 Ooh, that's a good deal Ooh, right there you're not gonna see that very price. often um i'm going to check that out i actually just sent it to my buddy that i was referring to and i think he purchased it um or at least backed <laughs> it at least uh nope nope it's not launched yet but he was like i'm buying this so, uh, may or maybe maybe you already can back it early. But either way, I'm going to try it, let everyone know what we think. I'll Maybe we'll do a little review here of that. Um, but that's it for the Games and Supplements Corner. Again, for the love of Pete, somebody give me a better name for that segment. It was most of the show, and we have this terrible goddamn name. Um, <laughs> but moving on, you're not getting a pre or post show on this one because we're going long because we have more stuff to talk about. I know what you're saying, Terry, that was all the news. Wrong, wrong. That was not all the news. Now we get into some serious news. Let's talk about the game hers. Lissa, for the people who don't know, what is the game hers and what is the issue that we are facing right now? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 how to how to describe? So let me just pull up a an introduction of what what the game hers is by themselves. Thank you uh, so much. So I was unfamiliar with the game hers until I'd say somewhere last week. You had sent me their newest debacle um, slash drama. And I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. We should definitely talk about this. And you were, and then you said something along the lines of, and I don't think this is the first time they've come up in a situation like this. And so not like I, I am very new to who they are, as well as the issue that they are facing. So that's the reason why I, I was like, I need help with this one. Uh, I was a little yeah. bit, a little bit lost at sea. Uh, so according to their own page. They are for, it's a organization for gamers who identify as women and uh, women gamers are rarely represented, heard, recognized for their badassness. Through their work and conversations, uh, they provide a safe space for women and or femme identifying persons who are comfortable in spaces that center women. Uh, 
Thus, Gamesers was born. So it's a community dedicated to amplifying and censoring the voices of women gamers and femme-identifying gamers across uh, a specter of gender identity and expression. Uh, this is a sexist-free space for casual players, hardcore gamers, techie streamers, designers, cosplayers, developers, yada yada, yada yada, in the game industry. Now, the problem, I think, I mean, they started off, they're, they're kind of new, I believe. Okay. So I didn't hear about them until, uh, I think, the last few years. Okay. And which is when they sort of took off. And I think the first time... This was sometime, I believe, last year. They had, or was it earlier this year? They had uh, a sort of a an event happened on social media where they, I believe, Sharday, can you remember the first one? Would you call it a kerfuffle? Yeah, a okay. kerfuffle. I, I didn't even see the first one. You're the one who told me about it because it never showed up on my timeline. <laughs> Right. Okay. Lissa, you're our uh, news anchor here. You you're are just filling our, us all in. like, expert on this. For... <laughs> I hear about Dang. most of my Twitter Great. drama and issues through Lissa. I'm not going to lie. And even the stuff that I claim <laughs> to know. Like, you remember when we were going over everything that happened with those two D&D content creators? Um, yeah. And how they were mean to people? um and stealing yeah. their money and i was like yeah i'm caught up on it and you're like no you're not here's this no, twitter thread <laughs> and i were watching all the live streams we were absolutely engulfed in that yeah yeah like i i knew like about a fourth of what had happened in the same time frame <laughs> yeah. and you're like no 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 here's this and i'm like okay from now on, i'm just gonna ask you to because you know because i you know i don't mess around a lot with social media so i often get left behind and you two as two of my favorite uh, uh, I would say content creators, but you're more than that. You know, you're people, I suppose. Um, <laughs> content creators, content creators first, <laughs> but two of my favorite people in this scape. Like, I, I definitely want your opinion on the game hers, um, yeah. situation. Uh, if so, we don't know what the first one was, that's okay, Lisa. I mean, I, I can, I can TLDR from what I remember. Sure, I sure. Find, I couldn't find the original posts or Twitter threads about it yet. I we can stay general and we can say yeah. that it's unconfirmed and and yeah. supposed sometimes. So alleged. The the first debacle was that because they are a, a a group called Game Hers, and they had branded themselves as we support women, we support femme identifying, but we also support non binaries and we support and then like a whole bunch of uh, minorities, which was confusing for a lot of people and then people i think approached them on social media and asked them to verify of like when your name is called game hers but you support support all of these different kinds of minorities and not all of them are you know femme identifying or use the, the pronouns she her and asked them to clarify that they doubled down and they were like yes but we support all of these groups and and then they were trying to say that you know it's confusing and it became this whole discussion thing where the community kept asking them questions but they kept doubling down and like no this is our name but we support all of these minorities and that was a thing okay and okay. It, it it kind of ended with a sort of i think they clarified they now say that it's femme and femme identifying people 
and certain non-binaries who again are maybe more femme identifying or can use the term woman which it's still a bit vague but it is what it is so now the newest i guess i don't want to say scandal but kerfuffle the new kerfuffle <laughs> that has happened is apparently so they recently have been not ha people have been nominating certain women femme femmes and femme identifying people for a uh, awards so they have their own awards the game hers awards the game hers awards they have their own award thing and so it comes out that apparently they had compromised people's personal emails and their full names <sighs> when in the first 45 minutes when voting became live so the right out the email gate. addresses and full name of all nominees apparently were visible to anyone who was voting if they just clicked through their pro profile. They failed to notify these people, uh, these nominees, that their personal information was compromised. And uh, in addition to this, they were using people's likeness for marketing materials who did not consent to having their likeness used in their marketing materials. Yeah, that was now, the big one. That was the first story that yeah. you had sent me, uh, like uh, Harley, the bread witchery. Um, that, mm -hmm. that tweet was the one that you sent me originally. It was like, what the fuck? I'm on here. I'm not even nominated. I didn't give you permission to use any of this. Like, yeah, that one, uh, that was like, the, that was my first introduction to the gamers. I was like, that's rough. That's a rough <laughs> way to go about it. <laughs> So, so it turns out I did some little bit of digging and in on Twitter, and somebody had noted that on the re release agreement for entrance in the awards part, it does say the phrase uh, "proper rights to use your appearance and likeness for promotional materials for our event and feature your recorded talk in our video on demand library." But it included somebody who was first of all not nominated for one this year. And another one who was who had declined their nomination, and their their essentially their photos were on the marketing materials of like vote in the Game Hers Awards, and then a photo of these people, one who was not even nominated, and one who had specifically declined their nomination because they did not want to be part of this, but was using was was being used as promotional material that's pretty crappy. And being spread on social media yeah Do, i don't care like what the what they stand for even good bad doesn't matter that's that's shitty when you're a conglomeration when you're some sort of corporate entity and you're like hey we're trying to do this thing doesn't matter if it's good or bad can we have your permission to do so and they say no and you still do it i think that's pretty cut and dry <laughs> yeah and then on top of that not only do you, but then this stuff leaks it's like are you kidding me yeah. Oh, uh, I think I found the original one as well. There was another part um, to do with them where they uh, tweeted. They were backing up something that they had tweeted, but there was ableism involved. Oof. Oh, no. Which is also not a very good look. Uh, so they tweeted a disability pride month post without, first of all, alt text. 
they used incorrect terminology to describe a disability and they dismissed neurodivergence as quote not a disability nor something that holds her back uh so essentially defending their ableism when they were called out that's not really how that works so yeah there's like multiple things that have been sort of circulating around the game hers organization so it's not even just any more specifically one thing but they keep making consistent mistakes that right. you shouldn't be doing if you are trying to be i mean it's it's from what i can tell it's a big corporation or it's gr- a growing corporation because they are they're getting investors they're building a community platform right and an app and a network and they've raised apparently more than two million dollars from investors i mean it's good branding right gamers it's it's great branding branding (laughs) and but they keep getting sucked into these kerfuffles which are not a very good look for a company who's trying to be and promote inclusivity and like all of these sort of a yeah this inclusivity of different kinds of people and different right and the idea that so whenever you're trying to be an ally or representative of some sort of oppressed group i when you get listen right to these kerfuffles it's it it is not a good look for you and if it keeps happening it's not once it's not twice at from what we can tell it's been three times now that people have come at them on social media saying uh this is our feedback can you listen to us right they are obviously not listening and not learning from the feedback that they're getting and they are defending their own be it ableism or sexism or whatever it is that people are saying that they might be doing they are not listening and they are defending you know their point of view instead of listening to the people who might be being impacted by what they are doing wrong yeah like the whole point of being an ally is to listen and even if you don't like subscribe to something like that that term that's not what you're trying to be that is what they're representing here they're representing people and they want to platform people but you're not listening to the complaints and so and when someone tells you hey the words you're using are not correct. They're hurtful. They're harmful. The nomenclature, any like some of this direct thesis of what you are. Hey, that doesn't work for us. You gotta listen. You can't defend it. It's okay. You don't. Have, I'm not saying you have to apologize. I think you should. But like, you know, like it, it's happened here on this podcast. I've had people reach out and go, "Hey, don't use those terms. Like, there's better ways around it." And you don't yeah. double down. You go, "Okay." learning experience there's nothing wrong with that no one's expecting anybody corporations or no to be perfect that's never what people are asking for people usually just want you to go hey let's learn and and change with the times and so it's just a little disappointing it's not surprising to see a corporation or group that has investing to make a mistake like this it is surprising to see one that's fighting for inclusivity and ignoring the, the the people that they're trying to platform that's the part yeah. that i find very strange and uh just disheartening yeah uh Char, yeah, what do you that's... think 
Sorry, Lisa. The game hers debacle. I mean, that's the TLDR of the game hers debacle. Yeah. I mean, you guys have kind of already <laughs> said everything that needs to be said. I don't know what else. Have they made any? Because I know you posted something in our. Um, yeah, you posted that apology, apology, right? Like, how is yes. the, does the apology? Does it match up? Are they admitting fault? Are they promising to do better? Is it a good apology? Is it one of those really vague ones saying, oh, we screwed up, sorry, but they don't say specific steps they're going to take to do better. They just kind of make a blanket apology. Like, um, is it, I don't know, is it a good apology? I mean, I don't even know if there is such a thing as a good apology because I don't know if the people. It's subjective, people, right? <laughs> yeah, only so the they, people who are wronged can say it's a good or bad apology. And So this was just four days ago. Um they did say that we made a mistake we are sorry uh they have an amazing small internal team dedicated to working hard to make a difference in their industry uh the game hers awards winner signed releases for their images the finalists did not mm. and apparently there was a mistake on behalf of their team so they used the finalist folder instead of the winners folder uh, in error, and some individuals had not signed releases. Mm. Uh... Don't like any of the things that you're saying. Like that's like yeah. that stuff happens to a smaller mm. group. Like I could see us doing something like that wrong. Like I we won't, yeah. but I could see us doing something like that at our size, at our scope. That's why we wouldn't attempt something this large scale. But when you're that big, yeah. there's not a lot of excuses for some of these things. Uh, that I'm seeing that I would accept as someone who was wrong yeah. by this, you know, I, they're probably better people than I am, uh, as you know, shown by their nominations into something like this, but th you're letting down the very people that you're claiming to, to again, represent. And that's, it's just so disappointing. They deserve better than yeah. something as simple as this. Yeah. Uh, they go on to say that they don't seek profit from the use of the images and what they are doing about it is they have been in contact with each person to formally apologize and have removed all images of individuals from their newsletter template. Uh, they do say that they have made inappropriate posts and responses that were not inclusive to their non-binary community and their community was absolutely justified in their concerns over the comments made on the game her social media regarding the neurodivergent community. Uh, the post and response were insensitive and ableist and did not represent their feelings as a company. They are addressing this harm directly on Twitter along with the measures we have taken to date and are taking moving forward to hold ourselves accountable. So something. Yeah, it's something. It's words. It's words until they do better. Like, yeah, a promise yeah. to do better is not the same thing, no right? Don't tell. Yeah. Until don't tell. action is taken, those are, those are nice words. But I hope for the sake of the people that were supporting this and the people that could be platformed by this, you know, I hope that they do do better. Like, I don't hope for them to be crappy, to go, oh, yeah. see, I was right. I hope they do better. I There needs to be more voices like this for femme representing people. I, I just... I, I just feel disheartened and I feel like it's not what you deserve, you know, and mm, it's crappy yeah. to see this. I, I hope they do better for the sake of all the other people that they've wronged and could pl replatform, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, well, yeah. you know, that's another way for us to cry on this show. At least once a week. At least once a week we need something that goes, well, this fucking sucks. Um, but we can move on to something potentially happier uh, if you two uh, don't have any more notes on this one. Not really. I like happy. Like, <laughs> I, I, so do I. I just feel like sometimes we don't find it very often at the end of these shows. <laughs> like, let's, let's talk about this Jeez. awful thing. <laughs> what were you saying, Char? Did I lose you guys? Are you still there? I'm, I'm still, still here. here. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I heard Char say something that it went blank, and I was like, oh, no, they've hung up on I me. I didn't say anything. Oh, okay, then again, I, I'm hearing things, and I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. There's something about me losing my sanity. Everyone's like, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> so our final story of the episode, Actual Play Network Dragon wants to be a Netflix for tabletop RPGs. This comes from Matt Jarvis over at Dicebreaker. Now, we had stories from other places this week. But still, Dicebreaker is coming out swinging going, no, listen, we'll cover your tabletop RPG news. Thank you. Uh, so I watched it. No, I tried to include news from other places, and they still ended up on top. Uh, new online video sure network. Did. What'd you say? Sure you did. I, I tried so hard. Uh, a new online video network wants to act as a one-stop shop for tabletop RPG shows, bringing a library of actual play series, podcasts, and other role-playing content under its banner dragon was created earlier this year by the teams behind DD series the fourth culture dm interview show how not to dm and DD themed game show dragon's duel who envisioned the online platform as offering something similar to netflix's expansive library of videos but for tabletop rpgs our goal with dragon tv is to offer an experience to our users that's similar enough to netflix to not require a learning curve T4C Studios creative director Hamilton Ross bottomly told Dicebreaker. Um, so what do you think of a Netflix for D&D? That confuses I... me. <laughs> I like the concept. Sure. And there, there are so many actual plays out there right now. Like, And it's very difficult unless you, like, unless you know exactly what you're looking for to find a good new show to that, that that like checks all of your boxes so i think it could be a benefit if you want to weave through all the stuff on twitch all the different podcasts all the stuff on youtube like it's it's spread out everywhere so having having a platform where it's all in one place could be really nice if they have a good tagging system if they um put resources into an algorithm to be like hey this person has watched this many hours of this actual play series they might like this other actual play series and kind of take a lot of the the searching and the digging away from the user i think it could be a really cool tool but you know it's such an early stages that we don't know what their plans are in terms of that specifically but i think the concept is really interesting and it could work really well especially since the market is I don't want to say oversaturated, but definitely but saturated. Saturated enough to the point where it's difficult to find new shows that you know you're going to really like because some people really value production quality, other people do not. Some people really like watching battle-based shows, some people like narrative, some people like a mix. So having like some a uh, tool to do all of the weaving through for you, I think can only benefit 
but it has to have you know the right funds and the right kind of people behind it to platform everybody yeah well. that, that's so. the thing that i see here so they're they're saying that they're trying to get this to tv quality the short-term goal is to have a single streamlined hub for content and a singular point of reference for our audience now mm-hmm. that's really cool like what you're saying all is important the other thing that's important is which content they're getting because yeah like you said, it's super saturated and not just because there's so many shows, but because so many shows get success and just keep making more. Like you think of dimension 20, for example, right? There's not just one dimension 20 show. Like they have several different seasons, different spinoffs of some shows, other people hosting. And then there's crossover with critical role and critical Role is its own network. Dimension 20 is its own network. The one shot network. They don't just have one show and they're doing their own thing. They essentially already have this one stop shop for all of their Mm -hmm. content. I don't foresee something like dragon having the money behind it to grab up everybody, you know? No, but it, it, it could. And I think if they if they get the uh the right people behind it or they acquire um shows that will bring in people, they could potentially. But I it it is going to be very difficult because of the juggernauts of Dimension Twenty, Critical Role, the Adventure Zone, High Rollers, like all of these really high profile shows that are like their own entity they are basically in direct competition with them in a sense that's my point like unless this was like a youtube so this is is presenting like a netflix so they purchase uh streaming rights whatever um i could see it being possibly a combination kind of like rooster teeth rooster teeth produces its own shows but also has affiliate networks like kind of funny and put all of their like productions on the rooster teeth mm-hmm. app even though they don't own they take they they share in profits yeah. and platform it mm-hmm. they could do something like that as a combination but like you said as it is right now it's in direct competition with the people that they should be platforming and uh, i could see that being a real big hurdle for them finding yeah. any success not just some success, any success because yeah when I go, like, I, I watch all of Dimension 20 stuff. I don't watch anybody else's. Now, I would if, like you said, there was an app that was an algorithm that was like, listen, if you like Fantasy High, this is the next one you should watch, and it's not from Dimension 20. If they could somehow combine any of those. However, Dimension 20 is the flagship show for Dropout TV. Like they're yeah. they're not gonna put that anywhere else. That's just not gonna happen. Critical Role is a conglomerate to itself. Like there, it is its own massive thing. They're not gonna put Critical Role somewhere else. No. And I want to also say that I just did a control F of this article as well, and I looked for any mentions of being um, diverse or inclusive, and there are none. So that because I was looking at the pictures. I was looking at the pictures and I'm like, these are a lot of white people. And I understand that there's a lot of conversations going on right now in the actual play community about how the biggest role-playing, like actual play shows are primarily white people. And those are just the ones that got really popular, but those are the ones that have stayed popular. And there hasn't been a show that has put diversity and inclusion in terms of casting at the forefront. Dimension 20, I think, is doing a lot better with it. They're bringing in a lot more guest DMs they have a more rotating cast but like shows like critical role and i'm not super um, familiar with high rollers or the adventure zone so i don't know 100 percent how they're handling 
criticisms like that. Well, the Adventure Zone is a white family. If that helps. Yeah, uh, I, fig- I figured. I didn't know if they brought in guests or anything because I don't listen to it yet. But that's I, those are for, like just to back you up before anybody puts you on blast. Like those are bigger ones. There are yeah. lots of shows that there are, are very lot. diverse. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I just meant the ones that got really big at the beginning. Right, really right. Big, are primarily white-led casts, and there are so many great shows that have diverse casts that just do not get the attention that they deserve because there are these juggernauts right now because they got in at the golden age and they were propelled really quickly and they have almost this monopoly on it. So I think if Dragon wants to succeed, having a platform that specifically says in any interview that they do, in any of their promotional materials, if they make a point to include people who have not been showcased on these bigger shows they might have a more clear path to success because people are starved for that content it is difficult to find sometimes or people just don't aren't exposed to it in the algorithm like people are i'm sure there are people out there that are searching like i would like to watch a show of all black creators i would like to watch a show of all lgbtq plus creators and those shows are out there but the consumer has to go like the extra step step of searching them out. And there are people that will a hundred percent do that, but then there are people who will not do that and who don't really know, have the tool set or the wherewithal to do that. So I think if dragon wants to succeed, I, cause looking at all these pictures in the dice breaker article, it looks like it's another primarily white cast. And a lot of the shows that are at least in this article are and- being showed in shots. Like they need to, I think if they want to have a leg up, like that might be a way to go. And also it's just the right thing to do at this point. Like there have been conversations about this for years. <laughs> right. And at the risk of like, like tokenizing them, that's the thing is you, you make shows around people of color and other oppressed groups and go, Hey, like these minorities need representation, make shows about them. Don't add them to these existing shows necessarily. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. part of the, exactly but part of the issue too on top of even like past any of that it seems like dragon's doing what g4 did recently which is they're not buying up or recruiting this talent from other shows they're kind of making their own like they're creating new ip which is hard to do to create a network all at once right like you you start with a successful thing and then expand when i think of things like like dimension 20 is a good example or um critical role right you you know you start Mm -hmm. small and you build out the one shot network has some awesome shows they started with one podcast first um this is attempting to start out as a network and call it you know basically i'm going to call it g4 but for tabletop however um, when the biggest names in that are not affiliated and they're not grabbing up and going, hey, this is a platform for all the smaller names. We're, we're just adding more sauce to the stew, yeah. you know? I, I think just from a logistical point of view, they're going to have a hard time. Now, I might tune in. I, I would subscribe to this. Like, they're saying they're going to do a news show. I don't know who would do try to do tabletop news, but I would check that out. Um, and they're trying to make um, actual plays that are really highly edited, like that first season of Dimension 20 was. So mm-hmm. 30, 45, 60 minutes instead of, like, a four-hour um, actual play a little bit more digestible i like that idea i would watch that however there are places that are already doing that they're not a one-stop shop by any means but there are just there's already places where i get all of that content including my news content i don't know where but maybe can't be killed but <laughs> 
but with all that being said, um, they do have some really cool talent behind that. So among the actual play series already available on Dragon are Theater Macabre, a gothic playthrough of the dark fantasy game Merc Borg. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Vampire Masquerade Show, Singapore by Night. So there's some cool stuff there happening. And then they have a future series that um, it's it's going to include Bowies in Spelljammer, a playthrough of sci-fi D&D setting Spelljammer in Sp- uh, Bowies, uh, Bowies, inspired by David Bowie. When I got to David Bowie, I was like, oh, that's how I pronounce it. Um, featuring characters <laughs> named after the late musician's songs. So like that, that could be neat stuff. This is a thing that I would check out. However, posing it as this big network where you're going to go for all of your your tabletop stuff, it's just not going to be that because we all go to different places. Like, think about this. We all love D&D a lot here. None of us watch the same D&D content right now. No. Yeah. And the odds of this new thing being the one place that we all go, I think, are slim. So, I love the idea, but go ahead, Lissa. Yeah, that's the thing that confuses me because when I when you said in the beginning like what do you think i'm like this confuses me so much so the reason why, <laughs> Net- why netflix became sort of a working thing was they had original content and that you could only get from there i feel like D content you can get from many places and if you look at netflix the the good thing about netflix is you know you get quality content that's made in a certain way. And I don't know about other people, but D&D content, especially anything that's filmed, it's so difficult to, like, what, to uh, compare the production level of somebody who's doing it from, like, their house of their home game versus somebody who's been doing this for a while and actually has somebody to you know cut and edit and throw you know these visual effects on it so what is the process of who are you going to include in this because if you're going to be netflix it has to be high quality production value it has to be high quality storytelling so does that mean that the regular joe who has their own home game and is making it from you know their camera phone or you know some old camera that they found and is doing them from their house basement and they if they don't have this production value they don't have the capability to edit this content in that way then they're just going to be excluded and they just have to stick to what youtube right and and this doesn't seem like they're even planning on including that joe blow anyways right now Lisa. like it seems like they're making their own stuff and saying it's netflix but the problem with that sorry go ahead Lisa. If, if you're saying you're going to include everything and everyone in that, say that. Because I can't tell if this is going to be... So if it, if this, the, this is the Netflix of TTRPGs, that's one thing. But is this the YouTube of TTRPGs? Is this going to be a, com- uh, a combination of, like, good quality product and also indie stuff? Like, what is or the... Is it- or is it all their own stuff and it's just yeah or is it or is it just 10 20 people who make Mm -hmm. content who just do different kinds of content different formations different groups different stories like i i can't tell what this is so they are reaching out sorry go ahead charlie and i'll 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 add after okay um i just I just want to also point out that the reason Netflix got popular in the first place was they didn't have a, people forget this. That's exactly what I was going to say too. 
Yeah, so Netflix did not have original content when they first came out. So I remember my uh, really good friend of mine, we went to undergrad together. Um, their parents had Netflix, like really early on streaming Netflix. And we would go to their dorm and we would watch it. And really the only things that were on there were um, shows that Netflix purchased the rights to. So they had The Office. They had Community. They had Dr. Horrible, Sing Along Blog. They had The Guild. So they had a mixture of like web stuff, like web series, and they also had pre-existing shows and that were either already aired or still airing. Like, yeah, Netflix didn't have original thing. content for years. The, no, they they started by buying other people's stuff. Breaking Bad got popular and got popular enough to finish its show because it was doing pretty badly on AMC, the network that it actually aired on, until Netflix bought the rights and people binged it. And they brought those numbers to AMC and saying, hey, people are watching your show. And then they saw their ratings go up because people found it on Netflix before they found it on AMC. One of my favorite shows of all time found it on Netflix. Uh, (laughs) But but I was going to say that exact same thing. Like they they purchased these rights and then they became this home for awesome original content, which some Mm -hmm. would say is waning now. I think like if you bring in audiences of shows that already exist, whether they are big or small, and probably you're going to get medium to small because like we said before, the juggernauts already like have their own stuff going on in terms of streaming and their own networks and whatever. Like if you bring on all those audiences, that's how you build it up. You conglomerate it and you do the Netflix model like you say you're going to. You bring everybody in. You don't start just with original content. You have to build an audience maybe even see what that audience likes which would be a smart thing in my opinion like see what they want to see from you and then build it out from there and then do your original content or like start sprinkling it in and not just build a whole quote netflix streaming service because netflix has things other than netflix originals and also netflix originals are kind of shitty right now right exactly (laughs) that's my exact point and they're doing so they're like it's exactly like you said they're doing the opposite right now they're starting with the originals and they're going to build out so i'm just looking at their their battle plan here is they do they they are incorporating the idea that they want to purchase and license other people's games to go on the network so eventually I think they're playing, honestly, they probably don't have the funding necessarily to do both, but they're working that out of they're going to go on a spending spree, right? They're going to find the success, buy these shows, put them on there, and grow. However, so many shows, I feel like, unless the platform is big enough, I don't think they're going to leave their success. Because even if you find remote success, like maybe if they purchase someone on the size of like us, right? Um, like they could find content that way, but any like, uh, D and D podcast that's found success, they're going to find more success that way because I don't think they're going to have the money to pull them away from their fans that they get support from Patreon or something like critical role. Uh, again, I hate using them as an example every single time, but they found so much success on their own. Why would they jump ship? Um, I think they'd have to hit mid-level creators uh, and, in order to buy them. And I just, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that on a large enough scale. I think that that would take more capital than than a lot of people realize. Yeah. And I, I, I think we should also say, like w- with the other story, we're not rooting for them to fail. No. I like the concept a lot, but I don't think from what we're seeing and how it's being reported by Dicebreaker and how they're presenting themselves as a business structure i don't think how they're going about it is going to be what they want it to be and hopefully hopefully it will they'll prove us wrong or maybe they'll change their strategy because i do like the idea i think it'd be really great to have an algorithm push out shows 
that maybe would not be seen or searched for in traditional content. I think that's a really good tool for people who love to consume actual play and TTRPG content. Yeah, but the but, problem is they're creating a network rather than a platform. And I think like yeah. like like you yeah, and Lissa both said, this should be more the YouTube of of D D yeah. shows rather than the Netflix. Yeah. Because that, that implies different things. I don't think it's going to find the success there. That being said, if you want to buy us, you know, just hit us up. KPKillCreations at gmail.com. We'll talk. We got some ideas, Dragon, okay? Let's talk titty, okay? Let's get down to the business, all right? We're all sellouts here. You heard the ad up front. We Listen, it's just about finding the right number, okay? Uh, <laughs> always the right number listen uh, but, but seriously on that though like I, I am excited for this like you said we don't want this to fail my worry is exactly what just happened with G4 TV okay so G4 tried to come back they were like we're gonna do our entire own slate of all these video game and nerdy stuff the problem is in the absence between when G4 went off the air and when they tried to come back we get all of our news and content about video games and other nerdy stuff okay. at a million other different outlets from different yeah, yeah. places everyone's got their own favorite flavor and they go there so no one went back to g4 that was the thing it was an awesome starting place and it inspired so many cool things but we were done with it and we don't want a central hub for that because we found our individual niches and that's where we're at with D right now so unless you're gonna platform everybody i don't think you're gonna get people to your platform so I, I I don't have high hopes for Dragon, but I want to be proved wrong because it sounds awesome, and I I love supporting stuff. Like, there's so many different Patreons that I subscribe to that I don't even I don't even have time to check out their content, <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. So, uh, but either way, that's it for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening, watching, wherever you got it. If that Raven sent you the transcript, thank you for reading it. I really appreciate it. Um, if you like this, you can head on over to patreon.com slash can't be kill creations. Give us a buck or do like we said before, get early content, bonus content. If you work for dragon, just hit up our email. Can't be kill creations at <laughs> gmail.com. Or if you don't work for dragon, you don't have any money to send us. You just have a question. You can send them over there. I'm at resident Steve on Twitter. And, uh, I'm going to change that soon though. And I need help fan, uh, sourcing, crowdsourcing a new name for Twitter. Cause I'm just over the resident Stevel handle. It's been my Xbox handle since like, exclusive. yeah, exclusive. like 2005. So it's like, it's time wow. to move on, you know, rebrand, rebranding. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but if you want any more of our content, our comic books, other podcasts, head on over to campykillcreations.com. That being said, Charday, where can the people find you on the internet? They can find me as the best host of the Slovenly Trolls <laughs> podcast. Getting ahead <laughs> of it. About the, well, we already talked about better. Now I'm the best. So listen, <laughs> like, you started a war and I'm finishing it. Um, I, we talk about D&D and feminism and the problematic past of D&D and make it so that we can do better. I also run the Slovenly Trolls twitter <laughs> at slovenly trolls <laughs> i was gonna say you're gonna say what it is <laughs> you just gotta find it damn it you can find uh, it out if you want if you want prime content <laughs> you can find it and lissa where can the people find you online they can find me behind the uh cave trolls pod which is our official Twitter, which Terry never mentions at the beginning and leaves me to mention I am behind it, but we have an official so Twitter sorry. account, guys, for this show. This show has a Twitter account. I do want it. You never asked me to put it up front, and I forgot. Just use your words, Lissa. 
I have. I did that last time, and I'm doing it this time, too. We have an official Twitter, guys. You didn't tell me to mention it. You just threw subtle shade, which I'm just now realizing. I didn't I didn't understand why you were yelling about it last time. I was like, yeah, that's our, that's our Twitter. Good job. I didn't realize you were saying, Terry, put it up front. I'm dumb. You have to use just the normal words. The passive aggression won't work on me because I'm too stupid. Well, I think it's working now because you're catching up. They would know this was just aggression. That's like, I did. No, no, no. Yeah, you, you switched from passive to active. And it worked. I'm here. I'm listening. It worked. It worked. Yeah. Terry's yeah. learning. Just it's use your words. Work. Help the dumb people. We don't need innuendos or turns of phrase or analogies or similes or ACT or SAT speak. If a train leaves at 4 a.m., from Chicago, what time does it arrive at the other train station? What is the definition of superfluous? This conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people tuned out a long time ago. No worries yes, here. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for plugging our official Twitter. And you're also on the Slovenly Trolls. I am running the Instagram for the Slovenly Trolls. Yeah. Yes. And in that podcast, this month's topic is... Banshees. Banshees. Ooh, doggy. Also, we got lore rewrites coming. As soon as I get the artwork over there, I know you were finishing up the the rewrites. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, you will be able to check that out. Hard maybe. Hard maybe. <laughs> I got a lot to do this week. I'm that, sorry. I'm they're going to live. They're going to live. If it comes the 2nd of October, I don't think people will riot. I hope so. I try. <laughs> I try, guys. You do a very <laughs> good job. So, thank you so much for listening. We've been the Cave Trolls, and we're out. Now comes that special time of the podcast where we thank our Patreon producers. This month, we have the Trellbot themselves, the Highlander, Chantrell Every. Thank you so much, Chantrell, for everything you do, especially monetarily. You keep the lights on, the mic's going. I just want to say thank you again from the whole network. You are our Patreon producer and the Highlander. There can be only one. Chantrell. Next up for the Patreon producers, we have Jeremy Raymond. Jeremy is a newcomer, and I want to say thank you, Jeremy. It's okay that you're late to the party. It's okay that you're new. You are welcome here, especially because you wrote us a check. So, you know, you know, have at it. You're welcome to our snacks. You're welcome to the fridge. I think I saw a dog running around in the background. You know, you can go pet the dog, take it with you, whatever you want. Because, again, you paid to be here. You are a producer of the show. You keep the lights on. You keep the mics rolling. Um, you probably paid for something else that's around here that I'm unsure of. So I'm just going to say thank you again for the 10,000th time. Thank you, Jeremy Raymond.